Well, welcome back to Between the Pages, a podcast meant to inspire Christ followers to go deeper in their faith and theology by engaging books uh, from a Christian worldview. And I'm your host, Joel Nevius, and uh, I'm here with Mark Krause, a uh, awesome, godly man. So, <laughs> uh, Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I really am. enjoy spending the time with you and really looking forward to discussing these two chapters. Yeah, like I, I have really enjoyed uh, reading over these two chapters and, yeah, and, sure. and looking at them again. I feel like these are really kind of chock full of uh, a lot of wisdom, a lot of, a lot of insight. So yeah, I'm excited to, to go into it. Yeah, I think you've had the same experience that I have. When you've been away from the book for a while, you come back and you read just two pages of what Lewis writes, and there's just so much depth that you take out of two pages of his writing, out of almost every sentence that he writes. It's just, what a gift he had. Absolutely. This, uh, um, these chapters are very quotable. I, I looked at my copy and I can't remember the last time I read this all the way through, but it was many years ago, and there were lots yeah. of underlines. And then I just added a bunch more to it, yeah. and circles, <laughs> and highlights. Um, that is the problem with rereading Lewis, is pretty soon you've underlined everything he said. <laughs> then now nothing stands out. Because exactly. all... <laughs> uh, well, hey, for the listeners who are tuning in, uh, for the first time, you're probably like thinking, what the heck are you even talking about right now? But... Uh, well, what this podcast is about is we really enjoy reading through really good books um, of theology and otherwise, and we just want to discuss the, the main ideas that, that are found in this to kind of to whet your appetite to maybe go out and buy the book yourself and process it and help you grow uh, in your walk with Christ. And so at this point in the podcast, we have been walking through the screw tape letters by the author C.S. Lewis, who lived in um, in the twentieth century, he was um, he was British, a very intelligent man. He was a professor at Oxford, Cambridge, wrote many books, including the Chronicles of Narnia, Mere Christianity, and uh, he was a fantastic literary critic. Uh, and the book that we're reading through is the Screw Tape Letters, uh, which was a book that he wrote that basically chronicles. Um, these letters, and this is a fictional account of, um, of these letters that were written by demons. And so particularly there is a, a demon named Screwtape who is writing to his apprentice demon, uh, Wormwood, and all these ways that he wants to trip up um, his patient. Uh, he calls a patient, but it's a, a young believer, a Christian, and trying to make him ineffective uh, as a follower of Christ. And so the whole book is him coaching Wormwood, saying this is to do, this is what not to do. And throughout the whole book, he refers to God as the enemy and so forth. So when we use that lingo, you'll kind of know what we're talking about. And uh, last week, we looked at chapter 6 and 7, which were great. And, um, and if you haven't checked out any prior episodes, we want to encourage you to go back and, and listen to some uh, to give you more of a context uh, as far as what we've been discussing. But today we're going to be touching on uh, chapters 8 and 9 uh, that deal a lot with the topics of, of uh, the seasons of spiritual dryness. We're going to talk about issues of free will, uh, sexual temptation, pleasure, and the temptation to be moderately religious. So there's 
there's that and more, but that, just to give you a preview, a heads up as far as what we're going to discuss. So, so Mark, chapters 8 and 9 are, are very closely tied together. Yeah. You know, as we look back at these, they're very, they're very close. Some of the letters can almost be standalone and not have a ton of connection between the two mm-hmm. other than the fact that they're referring to the same person that they're trying to trip up. Right. Um, but Mark, you want to give our listeners maybe just a quick synopsis of these two chapters and, and maybe how they fit together uh, thematically. Yeah, the overriding theme of, of uh, letters 8 and 9, or chapters 8 and 9, if you will, is the, the normal peaks and lows in a human's life. The things, just the normal, natural things we experience in life, whether it's in relationships, our jobs, other pursuits, just where we have peaks, times of highness, where we feel motivated, excited, kind of feel as, as Christians, we might feel like, gosh, God seems so present and active in my life. And then kind of the natural troughs, what uh, Screwtape refers to as, as troughs in the life of the patient, but what we might call lows, those times when, when we're not on a high, when we feel like maybe things aren't all coming together, or just emotionally down, it could be physical things, it could just be mental, emotional things, but those places where we're low. And so the discussion really centers around those, that frequency of up and down, but specifically the low times. And in, in chapter eight, Screwtape is going to discuss with Wormwood what the enemy wants to make of those low, low times and, and how God wants um, his sons and daughters, uh, believers, to view those low times and the perspective we should have versus the kind of perspective that demons and satanic forces want to uh, impress upon us for obvious reasons to discourage us. And then in chapter 9, he's going to address with Wormwood how to really exploit those times with the Christian to get him off base, get him discouraged, get him to turning to other things to try and create good feelings in unnatural ways or unhealthy ways. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you know, to get going, um, let me just read from chapter eight, where, where Screwtape brings to Wormwood's attention the human experience of what you're talking about, the highs and lows. He refers to that as undulation. Yeah. And so let me just, let me just read this to set the stage, but that was a great summary as far as where we're going to be headed here in chapters eight and nine. But let's get going with, with this quote here in Screwtape Letters. And so Screwtape writes this. He says, His interest in his work, his affection for his friends, his physical appetites, they all go up and down. And as long as he lives on earth, periods of emotional and bodily riches and liveliness will alternate with periods of numbness and poverty. And so basically Screwtape here is, is, is saying that Christians naturally experience times of dryness and dullness, just as every human in existence does. But he says that basically that doesn't, um, Christians don't get a free pass. Even Christians will go through times of, of numbness, of poverty, and he calls it seasons of dryness. And he wants to exploit these times. But he also says, you know, in warning to his apprentice demon, that these times of dryness uh, can actually be dangerous for them. It may not actually be good for them. And uh, so it's a real fascinating discussion because 
you know, normally we we think, okay, this is a terrible time for my spiritual walk. But here up front, he kind of already shows like, okay, like this can be a neutral time where where our enemy, God, can do some uh, some really um, big things uh, in the humans. So anyways, Mark, why don't we just start off by talking about what's the difference between how maybe God and how uh, maybe our enemy, how uh how demons um, kind of view and respond uh, to humans' periods of spiritual dryness and numbness. So how, do, how are those two things different that, that we've uh, looked at in the book? Yeah, so as the screw tape speaks of the enemy or God and how God views those troughs or low times in our life, um, he, he tells Wormwood that those are actually times that God relies on for our transformation and growth and that's really what God wants to be the result of those times in our life specifically because God is not going to keep us in this manufactured state of just you know constant uh, happy feelings you know just kind of the superficiality of life that the the normal lows, the normal, you know, that normal, those normal undulations or, or um, waves of life, whatever you might, however we might uh, explain it, that those are natural and normal. And to the degree that we learn to settle in with those and not be freaked out by them, but to realize it's just the, kind of the natural ebb and flow of life, that those are times when we can grow the most. If we if we trust God and they become um, profitable times for us in terms of how we react to them as opposed to just looking to escape from them in different ways, which is such a temptation. And so it's, um, it's really God's desire to raise up sons and daughters um, into mature beings. And he specifically talks about um, and, I, and I love this uh, from an apologetic standpoint, touching on that question of why, why doesn't God make himself more obvious in those seasons of life when we do feel down? You know, it's easy to feel like God's so close to us when everything's going good. We want to say, man, God's so good to me. But as soon as our feelings are low or we don't feel like everything's coming together in the time or in the way we'd like it to, one of our first emotional reactions is, where are you, God? You know, why don't you show yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And and screw tape basically says that the enemy will not use irresistible and indisputable means of showing himself constantly to us, where we are like babies who the mother and father are always there because the baby just cannot survive on its own for long at all. And God doesn't want us to be immature infants in the faith. And so he allows us to go through these natural lows when we feel like he's not as close to us. But that's not, it's not a rational conclusion. It's just a feeling. And so the question then is, how are we going to react to that? Are we going to be more mature sons and daughters who, if we think about it, even for a moment, it doesn't make sense that our feelings would dictate whether God's near or far. Um, And so that's really the emphasis he makes on what the enemy wants to do with those periods. 
Yeah, you know, and I think that when we're in these seasons, that isn't very intuitive. True. When, when we're in, you know, seasons of dryness, you know, I know my first thought isn't, oh, man, I must be, like, getting holier now, or God is going to use this for something amazing. My natural response is, get me out of here yes. immediately. I don't want to be here. This can only lead to something bad. I'm not going to be in a good place. I don't look at it in terms uh, of what you just said, which mm-hmm. screw tape, you know, unwittingly um, reveals. reveals about God. And... You know, he writes this. He says, It may surprise you to learn that in his efforts to get permanent possession of a soul, talking about God, he relies on troughs even more than on the peaks. Some of his special favorites have gone through longer and deeper troughs than anyone else. Yes. And, you know, it kind of reminds me, like, when we have those prayers, like, God, sanctify me. God, like, turn me into someone who will do your will. You know, sometimes uh, we're kind of asking maybe for seasons of of dryness, which that doesn't. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't want that. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean, I think back on my own life, and I know how much I've grown during those seasons when I chose to just be with God in those places and to see them. It's really a, a question of perspective. How are we going to view these times? Does it really make sense that God is just so arbitrary that he decides, you know, leave us for a week or, you know, and he'll show up at another time and uh, we're on our own when we don't feel like he's right there with us. Um, And so I've just always, I know I've grown the most in those times when I've trusted him and continued to seek and just be faithful when I don't feel like it. And there's just... I mean, if we're honest, there's so many times in life we just don't feel like doing those things that we know, we really know we need to do and will give us strength. Because it's so easy, I think especially in our culture, I mean, maybe everyone's always felt that in their cultures, but we have so much to distract us um, in a wealthy, modern, technical society. So many ways to escape those lows artificially. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if we... If we have an aversion uh, to anything that isn't comfortable, yes, anything yeah. that doesn't make us feel safe, anything that doesn't make us feel excited, you know, we, we are a uh, we're a culture very much, you know, addicted to excitement yeah. and something yeah. something has value in so far as it lifts our spirits and makes motivates us. Feel us. Good in some way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, appeals to our senses. You know, the Bible uses the term sensual, which we often think of in just sexual ways, but sensual means anything where you're just wanting to constantly um, stimulate the physical senses in some way so that you're feeling good. And so that can be, we can distract ourselves in a whole lot of different ways to create, to try and immediately escape this low period of, yeah. That feels bad, and I and I think for me, just kind of that idea of of gaining the right perspective in those times. One of the things, and I don't remember where I heard it, but I always repeat this to myself or preach it to myself in these times, is that 
just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't equate to right. this time is awful. It doesn't equate to God's left me. It's just a, a state of mind. It's a state of emotions. It might be something temporarily a, a physical down. Um, and I think when we gaining the right perspective during those times, it's just a, a first huge step of, of um, walking through them in a healthy way. Yeah, definitely. And I think what's interesting about this chapter is is that screw tape talks a lot about the difference uh, in how on how the demonic, how they versus how God approaches that. And he talks about how what the demonic tries to do and what evil tries to do is to consume human mm-hmm. wills um, in order to serve him, whereas God yes. in those seasons does what he can to try to free us to serve God as sons and daughters. And like, there's this weird thing. Cause I, th- I think about when you go through seasons, yeah. right? It's very easy for whether you're on the mountaintop mm-hmm. or if you're in the Valley, whether you're high or low to let that consume you totally. Right. Mm-hmm. And like for, yeah. and that is Satan's tactic is we want to whatever, you know, the demonic is after, they're after to destroy us, right? And if we're feeling seasons of being destroyed or down, we want to consume us with that so that we won't think counterintuitively, well, maybe God might be might want to use this in a different way, or maybe yes. God is going to do a great work through this low point um, because, we're, because we're sons and daughters. And so there's, there's an interesting... Uh, perspective here about when it, what it comes to to our will and how mm-hmm. God wants to uh, activate our will in service to Him yeah. versus how Satan wants not to. to not to influence or free our will but to consume it and to and complete, put it in bondage really yeah, exactly to yeah. put it in bondage keep it completely incapacitated yes. to follow God. Yeah, really demonic spirits seek to enslave us in some way where God, through these experiences, wants to free us. Mm. He really is, through these times, not looking to control us, but to raise up sons and daughters who are free lovers, as Lewis uses the term that I love. And, um, and instead of being slaved, we are actually freed. We can be truly more who we were created to be. Well, I think that this is kind of the key to unlocking this chapter when it comes to how he views what God is ultimately after. Mm-hmm. Because what God is ultimately after dictates how he, how he wants to relate to us and us relate to him. Right? Um, and so, you know, talking about the consuming versus... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the freeing bit, you know, it's, it's just very, it's very interesting. So if I can read a quote along yeah. those lines, I don't know if you're going to, Joel, but uh, at one point, screw tape speaking of God says, he wants servants who can finally become sons. We, meaning the demons, want to suck in. He wants to give out. We are empty and would be filled. He is full and flows over. Our war aim is a world in which our Father below has drawn all other beings into himself. The enemy, God, wants a world full of beings united to him but still distinct. 
still having that freedom, that uniqueness of individual um, personality and will that is now in a, in a loving relationship with God. He, In a sense, he wants us to be free to be the most like how he created us to be, which exactly, is, yeah. which is, which is weird, but like God doesn't want, doesn't want us to be slaves, you know, because he bases this kind of on God's uh, being himself. And if we're created in God's image and God is a free giver, a free lover, one who isn't compelled to love, but chooses to love out of his own goodness, yes. then he's trying to raise us up as people who would freely respond and freely give love. And there's something, you know, the, the point being that these, these seasons of dryness, far from wanting to enslave us and keep us bondage to bad feelings or something yeah. like that, that counterintuitively, these, spirit, the, these seasons of dryness are meant to free us. And that, that just blows my mind to think about. Yes, yes. Because that, I mean, if that's true, and if God is trying to make us into a kind of being that freely responds to God, and his way of tearing down that which keeps us in bondage is by putting us in seasons of, of dryness, yeah, that could be the most gracious thing he can do in our lives. Yeah, sometimes the most gracious things he can do is to back off a little. He's still watching over us, but he's he wants us to progress a little bit more on our own. Mm-hmm. And he's going to help us when he has to. But it really makes me think of, and you've got young, young kids. I can remember when I was um, teaching my oldest son, Austin, to ride a bike. And he was born premature. He had problems with his eyesight and so forth. So it was it always took more courage for him to have to learn certain things. And as a father, um, knowing that he was working with that handicap, I was tempted, you know, I, I could have been tempted to constantly hold on to the back of the bike, to never let him ride alone, never let him crash, and to get the sense of what it would have to take to keep the bike unbalanced. But in order for him to mature, um, and, and riding a bike for him today is crucial because he can't drive a car. So he rides his bike to and from work and wherever he's going to go, he rides his bike. And I think, I still remember one day when when I took him up to the park and I got him in a place where he couldn't kill himself, of course. But, um, and just got him going good and, and let him go. And he went fine for about 20 to 30 feet, and then he got, and then he drove right into a huge bush and just disappeared oh, in this no. bush. And oh. a cloud, cloud of pollen and flowers <laughs> flying everywhere. <laughs> we still laugh about that today, but I just think, you know, even those simple analogies, we know rationally that if God's a good father, he's going to let us go sometimes. Not, not in terms of his proximity to us, but in terms of him constantly propping up our emotions and feelings in ways that keep us infantile. So he, he is a loving father. And if we think about that in these times, it really will transform our perspective on the lows. Absolutely. I love, I love that illustration. And um, because, you know, when you think about that with your son, how much joy is there mm. both ways. Yes, yes. One, in, in you as a father, seeing your son continuing to pedal, and that he trusted you, that he could learn that, and he did. Mm. 
and you saw him be released into that. You know, and so every time after that, you see him going, and he's yeah. he's getting on his bike, he's yeah. enjoying it, and then he himself is enjoying being able to do that. Right. And at some point, you know, maybe when he get when he got older or whatever, maybe he stopped and thought, I so appreciate my father that he let me yes. have the opportunity to wreck my bike into a bush because without that, I wouldn't have learned, <laughs> and I wouldn't have had the freedom to ride a bicycle well, right? You know, that is so powerful, Joel, and I just think of if we could remember that in the times when we're feeling low or we feel like God's not near, if we could get that image in our mind of God almost like standing back but just being proud of us when we choose to just be in those moments and not panic or, you know, despair and not believe that God's left us but to say, okay, God, I feel this way right now, and it doesn't feel great, but I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to do whatever I can do, you know, that's a healthy thing in this time, and just prepare myself for when I know these temporary emotions are going to pass. And if we can just get that picture in our minds of our Father, just like a good earthly Father, is just cheering us on and just is so proud of us when we choose to trust Him during those times and just to keep walking with Him. Definitely, and you know, and that really sheds some light, I think, into when we read the life of David. Mm. You know, he has he experienced just the widest gamut of emotions, right? Like For he sure. he went through so much, and we see the depths of his despair. We see the depths of uh, moments of dryness and and yeah. and fear. But on the flip side, you see him wrestle with that in a very powerful way and yeah. you see that you see a lot of the benefit of that when you see his other psalms where he is joyful and praising God because it's come from a deep place where God did allow Absalom to try to hunt him down where he did or Saul or Saul or any or, or, yeah Absalom yes yeah you know what I mean right. and so yes. you see kind of both perspectives I mean in Psalm 44 we see this is a natural part of his life yeah. you know where 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 David uh, did not sense God and was, God, where are you, right? He says, wake up, Lord. Why are you sleeping? Get up. Don't reject us forever. Why do you hide and forget our affliction yeah. and oppression? For we have sunk down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. I mean, that sounds pretty dry, and it feels like God is nowhere in sight. Yes. And he's crying out from a very deep place. He says, rise up. Help us, redeem us. Why? Because of your faithful love. Because you're there no matter what. Yes. And so that took him to a deep place of dependency. And it's hard for me to think that that David would go through those times mm -hmm. and God wouldn't sanctify him and yes. work in his heart. I mean, we see him right there <laughs> crying out and going to a deep place. So, yeah, you know, the Psalms are so wonderful for that because it really, it really reveals a principle that David models for us and that he prayed his emotions. He didn't deny that the emotions were there. He didn't deny the, what he was feeling, but he really processed those with God. Yeah. Rather than doing something else with his emotions and processing them in an unhealthy way, he processes them in prayer and in crying out to God. And... But he always, he always sensed that resolution after he does cry out, after he vents in a way, 
he, he continually comes back to, God, I know you're faithful. I'm going to trust you. Um, and we see that in David's life as a whole. And so it really is just a wonderful um, example of how to process those times. Exactly. And that's why, you know, here's this is why Screwtape says, like, okay, be careful because here's the thing you don't want to happen yes. is prayer during those seasons of dryness. He says this, he says, Hence the prayers offered in the state of dryness are those which please him best. And then he goes on to say, mm. this is one of the best, I mean, it's such a quotable passage that I'm sure uh, some of our listeners have heard, but he says this, he says, Do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemy's will, looks around upon a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. Yes. Which obviously points us to Jesus, Absolutely. right? In, in the garden. Yes. He's, he's asking the Father for any other way but the cross, you know? Yeah. He obviously, you know, uh, who would want right, to experience pain in and of itself. Nobody, not even, I mean, Jesus was asking, like, Father, is there any other way? Nevertheless, yes. not my will be done, but yours. And so this, this is just a powerful, powerful chapter, I think. Yeah, it really is, and it, it is such a picture of Christ because um, I believe Jesus in the garden, he knew what he sensed what the experience was going to be like, and not just the physical torture, maybe even not even primarily the physical torture, but just the knowing that he was going to take the weight of the world's sin upon himself, and that God, in a sense, was going to look away from the sin when that came upon him, and him truly feeling abandoned. Yes. Because of him becoming, the scripture says, he becomes sin for us. He actually in a very literal spiritual way, takes sin and evil upon himself so that he can take it to the grave with him yeah. and conquer it by taking it to the grave. Such a powerful picture, again, of how, what God wants to use, how he wants to use those times in our life when we feel forsaken. You know, And we don't feel like that every day, at least not to the degree that David or Christ did, but we all experience those times. And... So the question is, what perspective are we going to get of those times, and how? What are we going to do with those times? That's the real question. And I love what you just said because you know, just to tie up this chapter with mm -hmm. that, man, like how amazing is it? Like in our, when we're dry, when we feel alone, mm -hmm. you know, the scariest thing in that moment is to think not only do I feel alone, but I am alone. Right. That God really isn't there. Mm -hmm. But how amazing is the gospel in the sense of what you just said? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. And he took David's words and applied it to what was happening on the cross. And so, you know, <laughs> because of Jesus going through the driest time you could possibly yeah. be true as far abandonment. as true abandonment. Yeah. That because of that, us as followers of Christ, even when we're in those times yes. where we feel abandoned, the truth, the reality mm -hmm. that Screwtape would want us to be blind to 
is that God really is still there. Yes. No matter what our feelings say. Yeah. Jesus was abandoned so that we wouldn't have to be. Exactly. Um, and that is the message of the gospel. Yeah. We, we need to remember oh. um, what Christ did for us. It gives me goosebumps. Yeah, and as we just, I mean, as I think about that, I mean, man, how many... You know, how much would my life be transformed if I truly believed that in those times? How much would a lot yeah. of us, you know, really be transformed if we brought that to mind, even when we didn't feel that that was the truth, but just constantly yes. preached that to ourselves? Um, well, and I, I really think that's why so often we hear the words in Scripture, take courage. Mm. You know, be courageous. Hang on. For I'm you know, with you. Yes, yes. Um, we hear that over and over again. And it really, I think, speaks to that exact moment in our lives when we're tempted to be discouraged, right. um, but to take courage um, by, by hanging on to, to truth and what we know God's done for us. Definitely. I want to encourage any of our listeners, if you're just kind of wrestling with that, um, I've just been meditating a lot on Psalm 16 lately, and I would just turn your attention uh, to there, like, oh, like it will, it'll be good for your soul. Yes. Um, also quick little, uh, shout out. Uh, one, I used to listen to this band all the time called my Epic and they had a really great song called alone talking a lot about that, about our feelings of being alone, but Jesus was the one truly was. Anyways, if you like good music, check out alone by my Epic to our listeners. Okay. All right. So man, that was such a good, um, such a good chapter. So, so Mark, you know, before we completely go into chapter nine, um, right. Um, you know what, for the interest of time, let's go into chapter nine, then we'll reflect back sure, on sure. kind of what this says about our culture. But chapter nine, screw tape, you know, turns the page and goes from giving us a lot of knowledge about God and how he responds to all of a sudden, all right, Wormwood, here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to exploit uh, that undulation and the and the and the seasons of dryness. Yeah, and and so basically he commends two main strategies. First, to use spiritual dryness as a prime opportunity for sensual temptation. Yes, and then secondly, he wants uh, to encourage Wormwood to use dryness as a time to really keep out and barricade the knowledge of God and the knowledge of reality. As we've, I mean, this is a common theme we've seen right in screw tape. Let's, let's barricade up the patient's mind from yes. viewing reality mm-hmm. and get them just trapped in his thoughts or feelings. And so let's first talk about that, that first temptation that he wants to, yeah. um, that he wants to use. And that is, uh, sensual temptation, and he goes on to talk a, a bit about sexual temptation yeah. uh, as a subcategory of that. But right. so, wh- you know, as you were looking at this, like, why is this a tactic, and why is this, you know, maybe can be so effective? Yeah, well, you know, he's really wanting Wormwood to use those to use the pleasures that God has naturally given us but to distort them and to tempt um, his human to step out of God's will for how to experience certain pleasures in life and to embrace those in distorted ways that can bring immediate relief from those troughs, from those low times. And so when he says um, it's an excellent opportunity for all sensual temptations, particularly those of sex, 
sensual temptation speaking, of course, to the physical senses. And in, our, in terms of the fact that we're part physical beings as well as spiritual, we can... Which he calls us amphibians, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, part physical... Amphibious. We can be in the water and out at the same time, yeah. or spirits and physical creatures yeah, at the yeah. same time. Yeah, it was an interesting uh, word for him to use. And But that physical part of our nature, what Paul refers to as the flesh, is that part of our nature that that wants to quickly grab onto sensual pleasures that God gives us, but in distorted ways, in ways that um, are destructive because we're, in a sense, um, not using them according to the operating, the, the life operating manual that God gives us for how to experience those pleasures. And so anything that appeals to our physical senses that can quickly stimulate us will create a sense of feeling good, even if it's momentary, and, and provide a, a false sense of escape from the low or the trough. Sex being one of, you know, the easiest uh, um, ways to feel a high, if you will. Um, even if it doesn't last long, it has a, it, it has a, a powerful temptation. And, it's, and he says it's one of the um, particularly efficient modes of temptation because... We all know that, that sexuality is a very powerful aphrodisiac right. or stimulant, whatever you want to call it. It is a type of drug. And so, um, and of course, in our day and age with um, technology, how easily porn can be accessed, how easily film uh, sensuality can be accessed in, in film and uh, visually in so many ways, it's very easy to, to artificially replace uh, low feelings with a euphoric high. Um, and, and so that's, I, we all know that's why that's such a temptation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he says, right, he says the attack has a much better chance of success when the man's whole inner world is drab and cold and empty. Yes. And, and he talks about how using those kinds of temptations aren't as effective when someone is already feeling high and everything's great and yeah. life is wonderful, that those kinds of temptations, you can, you can still work on it that way, but it has, he has a much lower chance of success when people are in a, in a high place. Yeah. But, I mean, precisely for what you're saying, it, it gives you an escape mm -hmm. from that, you know, that dryness. It gives a temporary feeling of, Wow, my life doesn't suck as bad as it does right now, and I feel good even if for ten seconds or twenty. You know, it it's a very very um, easy way of escape of escaping and shortcutting the season that God has us in to maybe grow in. So it's um, yes. so it's it's very very interesting how he talks about that because I you know as I realize as I think back to when those temptations were the strongest for me, was largely when I was in college and I went through some real seasons of depression and loneliness and right. uh, just apathy in life and just was aimless. And I remember just how enslaved I was to that because I really used it, uh, looking at porn and other things as, wow, just an escape from how depressing my life was. Yes. And even if it's for a... quick a, high. It's a, it was a quick high and you get addicted to it because of that. Yeah. And, okay, I'm feeling low today. What's the quickest way to all of a sudden feel even just, 
you know, a moment's worth of pleasure. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And now, all right. Because I'm going to feel bad regardless. So might as well have a tiny bit of uh, escape, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this was, uh, this was a really, um, really good uh, chapter, I think, to be aware of. And some of our listeners may have experienced that same kind of thing. And you know it to be true that when you feel the lowest, when you feel the driest, when you feel like God's not there, right. when you feel like nothing in your life is, is, uh, is, is going right, right, that these temptations are right there knocking on the door. Well, and you know, it makes me think that, um, I mean, there's two things going on with the enemy. One is he's trying to warp our perspective to cause us to believe something that isn't true and then wanting to exploit that emotion with um, something that is distorting a, w- a way that God has created us to feel good. Satan wants to distort that. And so um, at one point he says to, to Wormwood, try to convince him that the present dryness is a permanent condition. Right. And how often do we are we drawn into temp, one temptation or another? And it may not just be sex. It may be just be losing yourself by binging in Netflix or Prime Video, you know, and just wasting eight hours, you know, by binging on a TV show. And then you feel worse afterwards because oh, you, you didn't do things that you know. <laughs> you feel more worthless. Like what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all, or it's, video games. It's always yeah. a, a quagmire. You know, it's like sinking in a in a in quicksand. Um, exactly, yeah, it's it, it, stimulating yourself while you're sinking lower. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of like eating sand, thinking it's going to quench your thirst. Yeah. It just leaves you, you know, more thirsty. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, and and that's what exactly what our enemy is trying to accomplish. And so, I it just makes me think again. Well, I, I know, I think from personal experience that the first, the first way to combat temptation, the first step is to grab hold of the truth again and 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 what is right perspective and that is this present feeling this present state that i'm in is not going to last forever it's a momentary place even even if we're in truly bad circumstances you can be in bad circumstances or tough circumstances and still feel joy and reassurance so it's not a permanent place. I mean, if it was, if you were like that for a month, then you'd want to seek some help because there's probably some physical things going on. Um, but if we get perspective first, which is exactly what Screwtape is saying, don't let them get perspective. Don't let them see the truth. Keep them focused on their present emotions. Make them feel that this is a permanent thing. Mm-hmm. Which just, if we think about it for a second, we just know that's ridiculous. Right. None of us are ever permanently in that place. The ebbs, and, the ebbs and flows of life are normal. And if we will just first speak the truth to ourselves, preach the truth to our our own souls when we have to, as David does in the psalm, he constantly is saying, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. Right. We need to preach to ourselves at times Definitely. and to uh, speak the truth. And then act on that, what we know to be true versus what we're feeling in the moment. Definitely. Well, you know, one of the, uh, one of the coolest things that stuck with me when I, um, when I married my wife, Becca, uh-huh. and this seems like such a simple thing, but it's actually been very powerful, is I believe it was her mom, like as Becca was growing up, um, Becca, I don't know if you're listening to this and you're mad at me for saying this, but uh, please forgive me. I'm not going into too much of the nitty gritty, but... <laughs> Uh, 
But one thing that Becca was, my wife, uh, grew up with was anytime she went through something really difficult, really hard, something that made her sad, made her feel down, I believe her mom would always say, Becca, it's not always going to be this way. It's not always going to be this way. Yeah. It will not always be this way, I promise. And when we, you know, when we got married and we've had some really hard times as well, you know, or if there have been seasons when I've been super downcast or something bad's happened, Becca's been so quick to say, Joel, you know this is not going to last forever. Yeah. It's not always going to be this way. And, and so it's amazing just what speaking truth into someone's life can do. All of a sudden it just derails that train of of negativity and of inevitability and hopelessness. Right. Because when you're in those moments, like when I wrestled with panic attacks and I thought nothing was ever going to change. Right. It was really tough. But I remember her, I remember my counselor, I remember people saying, Joel, this, this, I, I know it doesn't feel this way. But it's not always going to be this way. Don't lose heart. And yeah. that seems so, on one hand, when you're in it, it kind of feels trite. And it feels like, that's okay, that's not helpful because it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> but on the other hand, the times when I would really listen to that, it did bring a lot of comfort. Because oh, that absolutely. is the truth. It, like, yes. I will not always be this way. Yeah. Well, and that really speaks to us, Christian brothers and sisters, how important it is for us to speak that into each other's lives. Because I can say that to myself a dozen times, but when I'm in that place, it's hard to convince myself. But there's a power when, a, when someone else speaks that to you and you sense the love and the voice of God speaking through them. And there just is a power when we speak into each other's lives and encourage one another. So that's a great example. Definitely. But, um, well, one thing that's really, um, I think, a great, I guess, conversation that can come out of what Screwtape is talking about, when he talks about pleasure, and he talks about, you know, obviously this appeals to our physical nature, you know, in a sense. But um, but basically, I love when he says this. Um, he says, it is all the same. It is his invention, not ours. Meaning that pleasure, you know, you have to be a little bit careful, but pleasure is not something that evil forces have ever been able to create. Right. He says, he made the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce one. All we can do is to encourage the humans to take the pleasures which our enemy has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. And the end result, he says, is that there's an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure. And that's their formula, is that when we already feel down, their tactic is we want to give you a craving Mm -hmm. that if you actually try to pursue it, it's going to leave you with a diminishing sense of yourself and a diminishing sense of pleasure rather than a, a filling up of it. Yes. And he says, to get the, the man's soul and give him nothing in return, that is what really gladdens our father's heart, speaking of Satan. And I think this is so helpful for, for us as Christians to remember. And I think it's really important for us to like really believe deep down is that when we are in these 
dry seasons, when we have these temptations, we are going to be tempted. And, yes. and Satan is going to probably tempt us in those seasons of dryness. He's not going to just, okay, we'll just let him, them have intimacy with God in this time. He's going to be on attack. And I think for us to realize that, man, when we're addicted just to numb ourselves with social media, when we just want to escape the dryness by playing 12 hours of Fortnite, right. when all we want to do is just go, go out with our friends, have a few extra drinks, whatever the case may be, right. to have the perspective, not only that dry seasons are going to come, but we're going to be tempted to do things that are not going to give us anything good. Yes, These temptations are going to make us more thirsty spiritually. They're going to make us feel drier. They're going to make us feel worse. And that's the irony of it, is that the temptation is going to make us feel good, but there's a nasty hangover from when we actually when we actually engage in these sinful uh, temptations. Yeah. Well, you know, as you say that, we know even when we're in in one low period, we know that when we come out come out of that, at some point in the future, we're going to have another low period. And when we respond in the wrong way in those low periods, it does nothing to make the next low period any easier. Where makes what, it harder. It makes it harder. And what God is wanting is when we respond correctly to those times, it strengthens us. It makes us more mature. When we have to ride our bike alone in that next low period, instead of crashing, we'll feel the freedom of, I got this. I can ride through this, and I'm not going to crash. So there's, there is a sense of, I think, an anticipation of joy of what is working in our life um, can propel us and actually give us a sense of underlying joy that helps us to push through those periods. And just to, to be present and to not freak out and expect that they're going to come, but that they are actually serving a great purpose in our lives when we're in Christ and when we choose to obey, even when our feelings um, are compelling us to do otherwise. Absolutely. And I think that um, it's easy to lose sight that the fullest measure uh, of pleasure is really found in God, you yes. know? And like, like I said, I mentioned Psalm 16 before, but the end of it says, you know, at, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And, and so we fight, yeah. you know, the wrong usage of pleasure with finding a true source of pleasure in God. Yes. And because, yeah, just, you know, uh, just white knuckling it and just gritting yeah. our teeth when we're in these seasons of dryness and, you know, I will not, you know, engage in this temptation. Ugh, I'm just going to use my will to force myself. We're missing the fact that we're choosing not just restraint from a sinful behavior, but we're choosing uh, the goodness of God. We're choosing the graciousness of God. We're choosing His blessing. We're choosing yes, uh, yes. His glory. And there's a, there's a pleasure in that, in knowing uh, that we're following Him. A- absolutely. Um, you know, and before I was just writing something down as you were talking, um, could I could I jump ahead to a yeah. few like practical yeah, applications absolutely. before I forget them? Yeah, actually, we're starting uh, to. 
we're starting to run out of time, so we should probably... <laughs> I mean, I know that's shocking to our uh, to the people oh, I who know, know totally us. Shocking. We're usually like five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're very uh, short. Yeah, let's, let's jump ahead by all means. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> well, I was thinking, you know, so what are some practical ways just to gain perspective when we're in this times and the feel the, the the low feelings are there we're feeling down we don't feel like god's near we may even feel like gosh my life's just falling apart you know nothing looks positive i have no idea what to do um you mentioned one example of what becca was able to speak into your life and so it's important to process these times and to process them in the right way because doing nothing is not an answer. Right. You, you can't have a vacuum in these places. Otherwise, you will, um, uh, you'll, you will do things to inappropriately relieve those feelings. But in terms of processing, especially your emotions and feelings in that time, one is to go to a good friend, go to a Christian brother and sister, and just... Say, hey, can you listen to me for a while? I want to just speak to you some of the thoughts I'm having, the emotions. And when you do that, my experience has been both in doing it myself and having others do it with me when they're mm. feeling down, is once you vocalize those things, the other person can oftentimes speak perspective and say, do you realize how crazy this sounds right now? I know that your life's not like that. You're not going to be in that place. You're so much more valuable and and your life has so much more promise than you're thinking right now because our perspective gets so skewed when our emotions are low. We're just, we just tend to not think very clearly. Um, and so telling others is one, one thing. Um, when we were talking about anxiety in the last chapters, another thing that I found really helpful, especially if it's the middle of the night and I it wouldn't be good to wake up my wife to say, hey, I want to tell you this thing. <laughs> not a good move. Right, yeah. Um, is to just write down what I'm thinking and feeling. And I found that once I've written it down and then I look at what I'm feeling and I've written down, my reason comes back to me and it's like, well, this is stupid. This mm. is, I know this isn't true. And it's almost like God can work through that journaling process of just writing our emotions down. And then the third one is, is what we've already kind of alluded to. And that is pray your emotions to God, not in a unrespect, a disrespectful way, but in a very transparent and real way, mm. because when we process the emotions, we, we need to get it out. You know, it's almost like this purging that needs to happen. And when we just hold it inside, we don't we don't communicate it in any way. It really does make things worse. It just kind of builds up to where we're even more susceptible to temptation. Definitely. Those are all really great suggestions uh, to apply this. And, uh, you know, the things that came to my mind, one is in regards to those that you're calling those friends, that we should go to. And so uh, let me, I would say one great application uh, point is um, if someone comes to you saying, I'm having a hard time, I don't know where God is, I'm feeling dry in my faith, one of your friends, your brothers or sisters in Christ mm -hmm. comes to you in that vulnerable place, a couple things are tremendously helpful. One is to simply say, I'm here with you. I'm with you in this. Okay? I'm not I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. You're not burdening me and I'm happy to listen. I think that's so important. Yes. Because that reminds 
uh, the person who's wrestling with, with dryness, that God has not left them, and neither have their brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and so when we say, I'm here for you, I haven't left, then that, then that should spark in their mind, okay, God is with me. They're, he's here with me in the Holy Spirit through this person. Great point. Yeah, and we, so, are, we are the body of Christ to each other. Exactly. And so say, I'm, I'm for you, I'm with you right now. And then secondly, a really great question, and I'm going to take this from uh, times when I've had spiritual direction and, and people who are into the spiritual formation stuff. That, yeah. that's, uh, that might sound annoying in the moment, but it is really helpful. And the times I've done that, they, you know, a director has asked me something like this. That's interesting. Where do you see God even in that? If God is present, and He's omnipresent, and He's with you, what what might He be doing through your dryness right now? Mm-hmm. And so to ask a little bit more of a penetrating question, if they're in that state for a dialogue, right? but to, right. to get other people, if they're in that, right, you're talking about you're present, but you also want to show that God is present, He hasn't left, right. and He is up to something. And for them to, and for that other person to begin processing it that way. Okay, he hasn't left me, and I may not know exactly what he's doing, but he is at work, and and I'm not alone in this. Yes. yes. So I think that that's really helpful if you want to help people who are going through uh, that season. Um, so I I would say that's a great way to to apply maybe what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And and if you're in a, a season of dryness, the other thing I would say. A simple way to apply what we've been talking about today is to simply identify your tendencies to escape. Mm, yeah. What is my go-to escape mechanism? Yeah. You know, is it video games? Is it shopping? Is it eating? Or porn? Or porn? Yeah. Or what is it that we try that we use to gain relief? Right. And some things might not be bad in and of themselves, but like Screwtape said. What you want to do is to get them to use it in the wrong way and at the wrong time in the wrong context exactly. or to the wrong extent, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, or it may be your escape is a codependent relationship and you're just finding your release, um, you're finding your relief in an unhealthy relationship. In an unhealthy, uh, too much of a uh, um yeah, too much of a relationship, if that can be a thing, but too much intimacy with someone you shouldn't have yeah. intimacy with. Yeah. So anyways, identify those ways that, that you escape. Great advice, Joel. So, so Mark, we're, we're coming right up to an hour. Okay. Uh, so we've, uh, we're beating our previous time of 55 minutes. But um, any last thoughts before we, before we uh, shut this down? <laughs> You know, just probably in the way that Screwtape ends uh, chapter 9, he basically tells Wormwood, keep the patient away from sound reasoning because that's not good territory. Once he starts getting perspective and kind of really thinking about things as you just said, then we're losing the battle. So just give him jargon. Just throw negative thoughts, emotions at him. Reinforce reinforce the emotional side of it and the f- focus on the feelings rather than focusing on what's true and what's false. And speaking of our culture in general, I think this is such a huge um, 
I mean, part of the religion, if you will, of our culture right now is you do you. Whatever makes you feel good, do that. And there's just such a message being preached by, I would say, and reinforced by de demonic forces behind right. a lot of the cultural voices. And that is, you deserve to feel good escape the bad feelings and just do whatever is going to make you feel good. Our culture is so focused on defining right and wrong in terms of feelings. And that's such a trap because it leads so many people into bondages. They're just We become enslaved to habits that we form during those low times. And maybe that's the way I would close it in my comments is we significantly develop good or bad habits in our life, things that bring us life or things that bring death into our life by how we react to those low times. We probably form our habits for good or for ill during those times, depending on the decisions we make. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing you just said, and like this might be a little bit of a light bulb moment when we're talking about the culture. Hmm. You know, and as a Christian, a lot of us Christians, we rail, we do rail against the culture about what's out there. Mm -hmm. And what you said is absolutely right that, that this is out there. And that's how the culture approaches these issues. But what really just kind of struck me is, is why is there such an emphasis on dealing and, and lifting up our emotions? Could it be because we are one of the most depressed anxious mm. cultures yes. for centuries. This would not be so appealing to respond with with such, you know, emotion and just trying to do everything that makes us feel good if we weren't such a culture that is so in bondage mm. um, to dealing with, with dryness and depression and all these things in such unhealthy ways. Yeah, we have access to so much sensual pleasure in different ways, and it's not the answer. And it, so it leaves us depressed. It leaves us anxious. It's almost like it's a reinforcing kind of oh, cycle. It's absolutely. just like we don't know where we've gotten on and where yeah. we can, where where it's, we get off. It's a never-ending treadmill. Yeah. And the only way to jump off is to do what, live life the way God instructs us to. Absolutely. And to trust Him. Well, I think we'll uh, end it there for today. Yeah. Um, great talk Mark thanks so much for all your input that was um, that was so um, enlightening and I, I just ask our listeners you know go grab this book if you haven't yet please just go out it's worth the seven eight dollars you'll put screw tape letters on your shelf and you will always go back to it so please be sure to do that uh, and also if you haven't yet if you're just tuning in for the first time just be sure to hit subscribe hit that button on whatever podcast app you're using. Uh, that way, whenever we, we release a new episode, uh, you'll get immediate access uh, to that. Uh, also, just a quick shout out always to Bethany Young Adults. We love you guys. We really hope that that this serves you and helps you in your walk with Christ. And, um, and if you're not part of our church and you're listening in from... Madagascar, I don't know where, but like wherever you're listening in from, yeah, um, I hope we hope that God blesses you and helps you. Um, so, anyways, Mark, looking forward to next time, and um, we'll we'll. I don't know. I never, I never know how to end these things, Mark. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, okay, how about this? Once again, thank you for joining us for Between the Pages. <laughs>